Everything's gonna work out fine. Hey! That's right, everybody. <laughs> Professional broadcasting at its finest. Right here in the... Uh, <laughs> Treehouse Media Complex. <laughs> Live and direct. Ugh, my eyes feel like they're gonna blow out of my head right now. Look how pretty the light is on the... No, I don't want to look at how pretty okay. the light is, Diane. I've got my own agenda here. I've got my own okay. things I'm working on. Okay. That is nice, though, the way the shadows and everything. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Right there? Yeah. The and on your arm and my on arm? your silver bracelet. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think there's anything attractive about this arm right here, except maybe the <laughs> silver bracelet and the wedding ring. Those are the only two attractive things about that arm over there. Luckily, we have it's to fall back on. 9.02 a.m. Saturday, April the 16th, 2022. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane. I don't even know where to go with that. Well, it was a note. <laughs> it was just lower than usual. Yeah, that would have worked. Either of those would have worked, see? <laughs> I'm trying to mix it up, Diane. I'm trying to keep things, you know, fresh and peppy. Like it's, you know, something that's impossible to do at my age. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm trying for, Diane. So that everyone can pity me, at least. So I'll have that going for me. I, I need some positives. I'm talking about positive pity, Diane. That's our topic for today. Go. Positive pity. Yeah, positive pity. Actually, it is a lovely morning, though. It's this a lovely a, morning. The sun is, a, sun is shining no, in. This is an interesting angle we have right now. This doesn't seem like the regular thing. I guess maybe it just isn't high enough yet. I don't know. It I feels very spring-like. Does it? It's been, it's been really quite chilly. I know, but that also is sort of spring in the northwest. I don't know. This, this April seems inordinately cold to me. Yeah, that's true. Doesn't it? I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I'm incorrect, but it just seems. But like, fortunately, but, we got our heat fixed. Yes, we got our heat fixed. But the thing is, I love this weather. Don't get me wrong. The, it can stay this weather for as long as it wants to. You know, I got no issues with chilliness because I can always put on more clothing. That is absolutely right. right. But when it gets hot, there's only so much clothing I can remove before. Things get really bad on many levels. So there you have it. But you know, what we have to ask ourselves, Diane, is what kind of a week has it been? Slow. But wonderful. I'm sorry. Hasn't it been a substantive week here in Lake Abundance? Yes, yes, it has it's been, been a substantive week here in Lake Abundance. We were trying to think last week of how to, you know, I mean, there's a hectic week in Lake Amphetamine, there's a slow week in Lake Barbiturate, but what if it's in the middle somewhere? It's a substantive week here in Lake Abundance. I like that. I like that better than either of the other ones anyway, because I'm not much into the drug thing. <laughs> That's not my fault, Diane. <laughs> it's not like I haven't tried to get you hooked on various. Uh, hallucinogenic substances, but oh no. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. You're happy with the way your brain works already. You're not like the rest of us. Ah, ham and eggs. Most of us would rather live somewhere else than where, than inside our own heads. But, hey. I was just thinking about this morning about 
that it is Easter weekend. Right. And the very first thing that went through my mind when I was thinking about that was how when we were kids, you know, of course, there was the Easter egg hunt at very early hours of the morning before the sun even rose for my brother and I. Um, But we always got new clothes um, for Easter, like a new dress and... I used to get new white patent shoes. And I remember this one purse that I got for Easter that was white with a little, like it had a plastic uh, over the the white purse with a pressed kind of silk flower pansy in the, in, in between. So it looked like it was like a little flower purse. I remember that purse so well. I was probably like five when I got it, you know. Right. Right. And uh, so I actually... I don't believe that was a tradition that was upheld in our house. You didn't get new clothes? For Easter, no. Well, I actually looked it up. I, I was thinking, what was that? Why was that a thing? And, oh. But and, I mean, it seems like I've, there's something, there's a title to a record album or something like that, or a book of poetry or, that has the term Easter clothes in it. And I, I, I seem to remember from like, from like my, my grandparents' generation them talking about Easter clothes and I'm thinking that perhaps when we were very small maybe my sister and I did get some kind of new dress up stuff for Easter. Yeah I don't think it continued it was when we were kids that we got it from my recollection. I'm thinking about before I was old enough to you know have any kind of opinion about anything you know it was just like you'd you'd get the new clothes you'd pose for the picture you'd go to church and then you know you never saw those clothes again because by the next year you'd have outgrown them. Well, I've actually I seen uh, home movies of us in our new Easter in your Easter clothes, gear, you know. And so I looked it up, and I I found this very interesting thing that it was a tradition that dates all the way back to the fourth century. It said this Easter tradition is based on a similar idea as the centuries-old practice of Christians wearing new white clothes after baptisms to symbolize spiritual rebirth. Christians in medieval times began wearing new clean clothes on Easter Sunday to symbolize the resurrection of Jesus and the new life for the followers of the religion. In 300 AD, Roman Emperor Constantine even declared his court would be required to wear their nicest new clothing on Easter Sunday. It's not exactly clear when the superstition started, but from this early tradition, came the belief that if you were you were in a position to buy new clothes for Easter, you would continue to be blessed with good fortune in the coming year. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. As this belief spread throughout Europe, the saying, for Christmas food and drink, for Easter new clothes, became popular. So maybe it was because my family was recent recently immigrated from... Hmm. Europe, that yeah. maybe it was a European tradition. Possibly so, Diane. Possibly anyway, so. but I don't know why. That, that purse just came to my brain this morning as I was thinking about Easter. Yeah, I don't remember any clothing from my youth. Or any items of that kind. I remember bicycles and uh, stuff like that. I can remember all my bikes. Well, I think that for guys, you know, a new suit or something back. is not that cool. Well, not when you're six. 
Yeah. You know, especially when you're only going to wear it once. You know, I mean, by, by Christmas, I would have outgrown that suit. So, you know, there's a level in which, yeah, you must have to have some disposable income because basically you're throwing this money away. Yeah. For one day's wearing. It's like a wedding dress or something like that, you know. How often do you get out your wedding dress and wear it? Never. Right. <laughs> you don't just like I don't even to, own it. Like anymore. if there's a casual <laughs> gathering of some friends or something like that, or you're just going shopping or something, you don't just pop on the wedding dress. Just it's, it's hanging there. It's clean. It's you know. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just think about that. Probably that purse only did get used that one time. Yeah. And all that was in it. Oh, and I even remember that there was a little. <laughs> Like a handkerchief with a little embroidery on it that went with that, too. Oh, man. A little handkerchief, and then you put your, your dime or quarter in for the didn't church plate. The, didn't you have the gloves? I did the, have the gloves. You had gloves. The little white gloves. Man. See, this is how old we are. We remember things like, you know, our grandmother's wearing gloves and a hat to church. Yeah. Gloves, and they, you know. And they'd have the little Kleenex stuffed up their sleeve, and you know, it was always a thing. Well, I I do remember outfits from when I was a kid because um, my mom had a real clothes sense, and she really dressed us well when we were kids. Yeah. We were we were, we were quite neatly turned out. You know? Well, so now, if your mom was going to church just on any given Sunday, would there be gloves? Uh, I do remember my mom wearing gloves, but I don't know if they happen all the time. Yeah. I always kind of liked the gloves. I always thought the gloves were an interesting thing. I remember watching my grandparents, my grandmothers. Uh, the men never wore gloves. Uh, I don't know why not, except maybe in, in with tuxedos and stuff like that, I guess, for like wedding parties and stuff like that. The men might have had gloves, too, at one time. But, but these uh, were just not, they were not gloves for warmth. They were just gloves. Yeah, that's what I, I remember looking yeah. at the gloves as my grandmothers would be putting them on and thinking, that's not going to keep her hand any warmer. That thin piece of fabric. I wonder if it, was, it had something to do with the fact that you'd be shaking hands or something and you didn't want skin against skin. Oh, and maybe it was a, a remnant of the bubonic plague or something. <laughs> that could Ring be Ring around the freaking rosy. Well, yeah, I just, I really do remember how lovely my my mom's hands looked in the gloves, though. I mean, she had beautiful hands, but there was something really neat and cool. Well, they were about, elegant. They, they, were, they elegant. were That was, that was what I, I saw it as, ultimately, was a, was just a, a way to elevate your attire because you were going to an, an elevated occasion or something yeah. like that. You know, it was a way to distinguish church from the rest of the week. This was something special. Yeah. But then I thought, the more I learned about religion, I thought, well, isn't it supposed to be, you know, like every day, like all day? Is it, but no, we just do this, oh. So it's like you put on religion like you put on your Sunday suit. Which is, you know, I guess if that's the way you want to do it. Yeah. Wow, that, that conversation took an odd turn there. Well, it just, it was just such an odd thing to even have I that start... thought this morning about that, the purse and the white patent shoes and, you know, I mean, patent you... shoes used to be a big thing and patent now they, I, I just feel like, you know, they were the baby Janes with the oh, strap yeah. and all that. The Mary Janes. Mary Janes. Not baby Janes. 
<laughs> That's Betty Davis, Joan Crawford. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Mary Jane's. Mary Jane's. I know. I know those. I know all those references, and I think about it now, and I think, God, this is how people can tell that we're old, is because we have these kinds of memories. You know, I don't think even elderly women probably don't wear gloves to church anymore. I don't know. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah. Different style. Different eras and stuff, but I think it's, uh, you know. I like them, my memories. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. uh, I, I treasure the fact that I've got the long look still, and I hope I get to keep it. Uh, the close ups and the, the recent stuff is getting harder and harder, but at least I've got the long ago stuff. I noticed that you didn't create Easter baskets for your, ki- for your adult kids. This anymore. year, you mean? Yes. Yeah, this will be the first year. No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't do. Well, you were doing it when we were first together, and I was going, really? Wow. Yeah, I know. Easter baskets. Well, you know, for because I think probably if I have a if I have a uh, a vivid memory of Easter's as a child, it's black jelly beans. Black jelly beans. Uh, Licorice. Yeah, I love black jelly beans. Yeah. So that's my that's my Easter memory. I have an Easter memory of. Oh, and then sunrise service. Like in middle school I stuff. I love the sunrise service. Yes. And I used to I play at the sunrise that. service. And I'll tell you, playing guitar at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, not the easiest thing. Singing, even harder. I love the sunrise services. But the other um, thing that I remember, I got in a basket one time this sugar Easter egg that was fairly large all made of sugar and frosting and inside you could see a little panorama of um an easter bunny scene you know and everything was made out of sugar inside inside was the it like egg. hollowed out did it have no like, it was like a yeah it was, diorama? it was a hollow sugar egg with a window on the side of with it with a window was it just an opening an opening oh, okay. like a, but it looked like a window yeah it had frosting around the opening right and this little scene of an Easter bunny and um, and everything was made out of sugar and frosting. And of course, being a kid, I ate, I I still remember eating part of that and how it was awful, yeah. you know. But at the same time, as a kid, you still eat that stuff. What is it with I you? Don't know. You it's know, just, I don't know. Somebody hands you something and you know <laughs> you, you stick eat. it in your mouth. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's I didn't eat it right away, it's but you know, candy, over time, so, you know, it's probably like one time. of those Christmas candles that's meant as a more of a decoration. Yeah, I had this Santa Claus candle that I loved for years and years and years, and uh, finally one year I decided to burn it, and it was just horrible. It was the worst. I mean, it was like it was full of air. It's like it was it burned in like a half an hour. It was like this tall, and, and it, it just went. Know, it's just, it was not. There was nothing, and it was running all over the place, and there was the paint on the outside of the thing that they painted the wax with was all runny all weird i did it in this plate you know and this plate just got ruined anyway yeah it's bad bad Uh, kind of kind of gives you a sense of the the depth of these symbols that we carry forward these things that we've overlaid on you know like santa claus for christmas and the easter bunny for easter it's like where do these i don't know i don't want to go into where those uh images came from originally i'm sure the easter bunny is something from the fourth century also but 
I've had enough history for one day. But what, what actually happened in our week? We, this has been total philosophy ever since we started today. There's been no actual talking about it. Well, you know, my, my week has been philosophy. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, mine too, I guess. Yeah. I'm taking a class that's right. in tarot. And I spent the entire day yesterday working on my final assignment for Module 1. Yes, she did. I mean, I, I, can tell, I, can, I am a witness to this. Diane was, I think you were more absorbed in that than you usually are at your job. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I came downstairs and I was like, this doesn't seem like a good time to even engage in conversation with Diane. She's like... Concentrating. Yeah. Well, I, I just, you know, it's funny because there are no grades in this class. You know, you can't grade these things, but, um, but I'm treating it like like a real class that you'd take in college, you know? Yeah. And I, there was something so wonderful about watching how quickly time just, like I'd look up, it would be 10 o'clock, I'd look up and it'd be one o'clock. You know, I just was like, wow. And that's when you know that you were totally absorbed in the, the thing that you were doing. I know the feeling. But you know, whatever people think, I I don't know why tarot got such a, uh, like, it's e the occult. The evil. Well, occult just means hidden. I, know. I mean, that's the thing that's so. Funny. I know, but it has a that word has a yeah. you know that kind of. But man, just for pure symbolism, you can go deeper and deeper and deeper into the images. It's just, it's just, it's fun. It's fun to play around with those symbols and images in your mind. Anyway, um, so that was one of the things I did. Other than that, you know, it's weird because I was looking. So for people who don't know, my job has a lot of aspects to it. A lot of things that I write in and teach and um, inform and educate various people but there's also an aspect of my job that is driven by what we call tickets in our system that we have to process in our payroll system and i've always had throughout my career you know up to 80 tickets that i'm working on at any given time and even in the slower times i've always had about 30 you know but now I've only got 10 tickets in my queue and I'm not getting more tickets. They are not giving me because they want to experience what it's going to be like in yes. July. They so they to, are they not giving me new tickets. They need to be prepared to take tickets. the workload on without you. So. And I, I've never seen my, my ticket queue down to 10 in my entire five years. So I was thinking about it this morning. I thought, wow, what... Oh, what am I going to do the next couple of months? I do have things to do, but that, that has always been an aspect of my job. So everything about this period of time, this next couple of months, is going to seem odd because, as you said quite aptly, 
I've always been thinking three months ahead, and oh, right. I can't even think three months ahead because I'm not going to be there in three months. Well, you, you know, can still so. think three months ahead, but you can't think about it in terms of your job. You know, that's the thing. Well, I know that. Yeah. But I don't know. There is something so <laughs> wonderful about getting so absorbed in this class because I was thinking, man, I can see my life like this. You know, doing this class and other classes, just getting absorbed in the the learning and the knowledge. I I don't think that I would. I I loved when I was in college. I loved school. I always did. Yeah. And yet, there was that that achievement that had to be associated with it for your next phase of your life. Right. So the fact that you can, when you say taking a class. The first people think about thing people think about is grades. You know, if you can take that out of the equation, then you can really learn the stuff. Then it doesn't matter. There's no there's nothing at stake, so there's no pressure. So you can just kind of enter into it and and you know have your own experience with it, and no one's going to be judging the quality of your experience. Well, that's the thing that my brother had thought even when he was going to school he he was very interesting in that way because he would so for example you take a uh, some sort of English literature course let's just say modern poetry right. and and you would be examining certain poets during that period well if Gary got involved in one of the poets he would not go on to the next segment he'd be just reading more and more about that poet and therefore he didn't always get the better grades but he was getting the better education and I knew it when I was younger because I because I was talking to him and I heard how much he had absorbed about this poet about the times in which the poet was writing and and I was only doing that uh, what was more the cursory review that you get in the classes. Mm -hmm. And I always thought, even back then, I thought, man, Gary's got the, the better way of learning. But um, as a young woman, I felt like I had to get the grades. Yeah. And so I did do the grade path, but, but then I also still followed, because I remember the reason why I even chose Modern Poetry, when we were, when we got to, well, two of the poets, Walt Whitman and William Butler Yeats, I just was so enchanted by those two poets that I did start reading outside of the class materials uh, because I just love them. Yeah. But now I feel like I'm at an age where I can actually get a better education, not only from the standpoint of not having to in the field of achievement and trying to get good grades but also because you have more life that you've lived that you can understand historical events better you can understand literature better right. philosophy better all of those things so I'm, I'm now yeah really excited about what's in store yeah man and I'm sure, I, I know that I've told the one or two of you before, but I'm going to tell you again that you can, when you're older, you can get into classes for free at, uh, not just at the UW, but throughout at the state, state of 
state of Washington, it's called the Access Program at the UW. I, each uh, school, I think, has a different uh, terminology for allowing the, the elderly to participate in auditing, of course. You don't get to do the... But I think you could do the homework. You just mm. wouldn't turn it in, mm. you know. So I'm very excited about this new horizon that I see. I'm happy for you, Diane. But I understand you're the quality of the... Uh, it just seems like when you're older, you can go deeper into anything. Because, you, like you say, you've got that experience to draw on. Uh, and the symbolism has resonance to because there have been repeating patterns in your own life that have become symbolic of certain things in your own life. So this, the, the idea of symbolism or metaphor, because symbolism is metaphor. It's a visual metaphor. Yeah. It's something you see that resonates with something else in you and creates a, a new totality between them. That's what the, how metaphor is designed to operate. Uh, you just, you get it in ways that you don't. And it's easier to, I yeah. mean, when I think of my experience with poetry in the last couple of years, it's been amazing. And partly it's because I've had the time. We had the isolation. Uh, so I had the, you know, the lack of anything else to do, and I'm not, I don't like just sitting around, you know, doing nothing, and uh, I've got a couple of bookshelves full of poetry up there, a lot of which I'd never read with any, with any sense of that kind of depth. And, well, I think uh, you, even though you're out of the field of achievement, I think you still need to have a goal, yeah. and by having some, some ideas of, well, like your poetry break is... Well, I mean, it's an entirely it's, different. What you have to retrain yourself is that you you have these goals and these things that you want to achieve for their own sake. That's right. You know, it, but what you have to get let go of is well, nobody's gonna, but nobody's gonna know what I'm doing. Nobody's gonna know what I've done. Nobody's going to know what I've achieved. You know, how does it count as an achievement if I'm the only one who knows it? Well, <laughs> you know, that's it does. the whole thing. Yeah, I know. And that's the, it's like these little habits of consciousness that we have our whole lives because that's how your life goes. And I think when you reach a certain age, you're allowed to dismantle all of that and still st keep gathering new experience and having emotional events and doing all these kind of things. But you get to just completely be in it rather than looking over your shoulders and going, are you, are you getting this? Are you seeing this? Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. <laughs> you see, you see, did you guys see that? Which is, you know. Ew. Boy. You don't have to do that anymore. It's good coffee. I was yeah. I was writing in my notebook the other day, and I wrote this whole thing about I'm gi uh, I give myself permission. And one of the things I said, I give myself permission to stop trying to show other people how good I am at something. Yeah, you know? that's a great thing that's to a, that's give a, you self permission. Well, it's to a do. big one for me personally because what I've realized since I haven't been playing the guitar is that you know I was trying to prove something. Part, yeah. of, part of that whole endeavor to me was, look, I can do this better than most people. Yeah. You know, look at me. I can look at how good I play this guitar and how good I sing this song and how good I write these songs and yada, yada, yada. You know, I that's, that seems kind of shallow on some level. You know? I'm not saying that I didn't, wasn't serious as a songwriter and that I didn't write... Uh, you know, I still think my songs are probably the best writing I've ever done, and I ever will do probably. But I don't need to do it 
to prove something to anybody anymore, especially because I'm tired and it's a lot harder to do yeah. when you're old than it is when you're young. And it's just, it gets to the point where is the, do I really want to work this hard on this thing that I've been doing all this time? Or would I rather spread my attention out and look at some stuff that's always been there, but that I've never really given the full my full attention to? You know? So anyway, well, it's a journey. I had read, uh, the reason why I'm even using that terminology, the field of achievement, came from uh, from something I had written in interestingly to me anyway my second session of my life coaching about um, about retirement uh-huh. and I just found it so fascinating to re-encounter it the other day because it was a quote from Joseph Campbell and this is actually from the Power of Myth series and Bill Moyers was asking him well why myth? Why do you explore myths? And this is just part of his answer, but it said the problem of the transition from childhood to maturity and then from maturity and full capacity to losing those powers and acquiescing in the natural course of the autumn time of life and the passage away. Myths are there to help us go with it, accept nature's way, and not hold on to something else. When I retired from teaching, I knew I had to create a new life, a new way of life. And I changed my manner of thinking about my life just in terms of that notion, moving out of the sphere of achievement into the sphere of enjoyment and appreciation and relaxing into the wonder of it all. And I thought, if you are able to have the gift of being able to to grow old and that you're not too decrepit, you yeah. know, you really do get a chance to relax into the wonder of it all. Yeah. And I always think of my my grandfather Schulstead when I think of that because he just he just radiated enjoyment and gratitude for everything. You know, drinking a cup of coffee or sitting out on uh, sitting on the beach on a log and just looking out at the ocean he just looked like contentment personified and i want to follow his lead on that yeah it makes sense and if you've got if you're privileged enough to be able to do it it's kind of it gets back to the jack gilbert poem you know if you've been given the privilege to really immerse yourself and be truly happy in your life you have to do it yeah because otherwise you're praising the devil or whatever you're you're cheering for the wrong side or something or you're tearing yourself down you're saying i don't deserve this yeah you know? and maybe we don't deserve it but it's here and uh it seems like it would be a cheat to not get as fully into it as we can get well, my father didn't get to choose his retirement. He actually was encouraged to retire early from his company. And I think it was a shock and, and not something he wanted. But, man, I saw him unwind from that job. And I kind of keep pulling that to my mind because 
I think that there is, we just are all in the habit of doing a particular kind of day. And it's, it's kind of scary to think about another habit developing because you've developed this habit for a long time. And so I'm really pulling those, those ideas up into my mind of my grandfather and my father after they retired and, Mm -hmm. and how enjoyed, how much enjoyment they had of life after that. And I think we should go to the music at this point, don't you? It's about time. We don't want to, yeah. you know, you don't have natter to, on. You don't for... have to ask me about going to the music. You okay. go to the Just okay. go to Diane, because, yes, you know when it's time to well, go to the music. Well, I was thinking about um, how peaceful and spring-like this morning feels, even though it's still a little cool. But um, there's just something about it that feels very spring-like. Yeah. Yesterday, when we were out in the afternoon, puffy clouds, beautiful blue sky and it just really is feeling even though this song or not this song this tune is called the first of spring and it's not the first day of spring it's still the first blush of spring in my mind and it's um, a piece by Philip Boulding who um, I always loved his solo harp recordings and I thought it would be lovely to play that on this beautiful. Yeah, is he playing spring. the whistle too? The, the, I'm the... sure he is. I tried to look it up, uh, but he, the whistles are not even in the credits. Oh. But I do know that he plays the whistle, mm-hmm. so I'm sure it was him. Yeah. Uh, the other credits, uh, Billy Oske is is on the album. I don't know whether he is uh, playing on these pieces, but he plays the piano and harmonium violin and viola on this album uh jonathan dreschler on bass and uh katon katon lyles i don't know how to pronounce that name on percussion it's c-a-t-o-n with a accent over the o so and then it just says wire and nylon strung celtic carps philip bolding no mention of the whistles but I'm sure it was him. I've seen him play on stage. He actually is a wonderful multi-instrumentalist. Yeah. So. 